Yes, sir. You want to stand here and preach with us? Yeah. You got him? And you even call his eye. But, uh, he said, you, you ain't as tall as you used to be. I said, when you get my age, your knees bend out. And uh, look like you've been riding a bull all your life. It is good to be here tonight. Well, I sure did. I sure was blessed by the singing. Appreciate it so much. I feel like I'm interrupting something. You know, with all that uh, I feel like the Lord's already done. And I, I don't know, maybe somebody ought not shout and run the aisles. And that way I won't have to preach. So good to be back. I, I didn't know whether we'd get to come or not. We weren't here last night because Miss Gail's aunt passed away. She was 101. And uh, she was, even in death, she was a, a lovely lady. Uh, always has been, and she was even last night when we got to see her. And I'm glad death don't have no hold on those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that's just a passing thing for God's people. And it's a real joy to be able to serve him. It, well, take your Bibles tonight. I don't want to burn too much time and uh, turn to John chapter number 9. I'd like to read beginning in verse number 1. I don't know who's who here. I don't even know who's who's, who's in who's who. But uh, I hope you got a sense of humor. There's a rumor going around here. I don't know who started it that uh, I was voting for Bernie. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I heard when I got out of my truck out there. I was voting for Bernie. And I am. I'm voting to burn him. <laughs> Well, ain't no need, and I can tell now who you're voting for, so I'm not going to spend no more time there. <laughs> All right, John chapter number 9. Let's read beginning in verse number 1. If you'd stand together as we read the Word of God. I love the preacher, Miss Amanda, youngins. Matthew here tonight? No. Well, that breaks my heart. Look in verse number one. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. And of those of you who don't know what that is, it spit. And made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sin. And he went his way therefore and washed. 
and came seeing. Thank you for reverence in the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> I've been preaching a series on the miracles of Christ. Felt like this is what the Lord had had me say tonight. Of all the handicaps that uh, can curse a man, I'd say that blindness would have to be the saddest. I've experienced a little bit about what that's like, not personally, but my wife and my daughter have been uh, insulin-dependent diabetics since they were just uh, youngins. Uh, my wife at five years of age, and uh, so she's been a diabetic almost 60 years. It's almost unheard of. But uh, they both had bleeding in their eyes, and I've had to watch both of them sit on the couch and just rock back and forward because they couldn't see. And it was sad. It was sad to me. And I could not even begin to express how I feel like they felt because they were not able to see. Uh, that's a terrible sickness. It's a terrible disease to be blind. But there's something that's far worse than physical blindness, and that's spiritual blindness. This is a condition that brought God's Son to this earth, and that's why He came. He came to give light to those who are in darkness. And so I want to deal with this man's life for just a minute. First of all, I want to mention this man's darkness, this man's night. In verse number one, the Bible says that uh, there were those that uh, passed by, and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The, the disciples were not interested in helping this man. But the Lord, the Bible said, he saw man. And this little word, saw, uh, tells us that he was uh, perceiving mentally that there's something different about this man than there was those that were surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ. I think all the disciples did probably is glance at him and just keep on going. But the Lord took time with this man. And anytime the Lord does, it'll change an individual's life. I'm grateful tonight that Jesus came to where I was. You see, Jesus saw something tragic here. He saw something that was uh, something he could not dismiss. He knew that this man needed help. And then not only did he see a condition of tragedy, but he saw a condition of poverty. When you look in verse number 8, the Bible says this, the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Uh, this man was having to beg for everything he had. He was missing out on things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. Unto him, Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. And there's a lot of that going on in our day. 
uh, more so than I think we've ever seen in my time anyhow. Amen. And uh, this man realized, the Lord did, this man needed help. And he knew he was in darkness, knew he was in a time of night. And he needed something that uh, even the disciples could not help him with. Now you bear with me, I'm going somewhere with this. Second of all, in verse number 25, notice what he said. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So the second thing I want you to, to notice with me is this man's sight. He had sight brought back to him. And you'd ask me tonight, well, how, preacher? How did he, how did he take him and that has been born blind, and now he's able to see. Well, now, I'm going to tell you the answer to that, but it's real deep. And so if you don't, you don't pay close attention now, it'll right over your head. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Miracles cannot be explained. It's better for us to just describe the what of God's working in our life and leave the how to Jesus. We don't know how God works. God works in mysterious ways. And God is able to do things when we don't even think he's doing anything. And he works in our lives and he works in others' lives. There's people in this world that need God's help. And uh, I pray daily that God will Help those who do not see like you and I as Christians see tonight. They don't have to agree with everything I, I believe, but I want them to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can open their eyes and let them see. Now, I want, I, for the sake of not being controversial tonight, I want to mention that for sight to be given to a man, there's two things that have got to happen. First of all, there's got to be, in verse number 11, there's got to be a divine operation. A divine operation. Verse 11, the Bible said, He answered these people and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went... And washed, and I received sight. So first, there's got to be a divine operation. And what Jesus done is a whole lot more real than most people think. This literally happened. And symbolically, it's even deeper. There's something here that we ought to be able to see about how Jesus dealt with this man while he was blind, that uh, to me is symbolically deeper than just the truth itself. Uh, stop and think about it. The Bible said that he hauled off and spit on the ground. The Lord did. My oldest grandson's 16. He's, he's 6'4 and 270 pounds and a real man of a man. I can still whip him, but he's still a man of a man. But when he was about four years old, he was at my house, or our house, grandma's house. 
Uh, ain't nothing belonging to me no more. It's either grandma's house, grandma's car, uh, you know, all those things. And uh, he and I was walking out in the backyard, and his mama drove up to come get him. And by the time she walked up to us, he hauled off and spit on the ground. And she said, I beg your pardon. And uh, I looked at her and I said, leave him alone. Now, that's hard to tell your daughter-in-law. <laughs> but I said, leave, it, leave him alone. I said, Jesus spit. If Jesus can spit, we can spit. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend you spit in church. But, you know, there come a time man has to spit. And don't you women look so angelic? You do too. It just comes that time in life, don't it? Well, that's what Jesus did, but he did a little bit more. When he spit on the ground, he stuck his finger in it. And he twirled it around. Now, I know nobody here has ever done that before. But when I grew up, that's what we did for fun. <laughs> we'd spit on the ground, we'd stir it up real good and make some spittle and mix the dirt with the spit. And then he hauled off and stuck it in the man's eyes. Yep. He didn't even see it coming. Some of you tonight didn't see it coming either when it came to you. Some of you men just came to satisfy your wife so she'd quit complaining and griping and begging you to come to church. You had no clue that God's going to stick his finger in your eye. But he did, didn't And some of you others didn't, didn't have a clue when God came to your house. The, whole, the Holy Ghost walked down your driveway, knocked on your door and stuck his finger right slap dab in the middle of your eye. Now listen, there's nothing worse to get in your eye than dirt. It's aggravating. Amen? Well, Holy Ghost conviction can be a bit aggravating at times. And when Jesus spit, any, any people in the medical world here tonight? Do you, what, is, what, is, what do you get out of spit? What, what do they do when they check in your DNA? They swab your mouth. They get your spit. As old black preacher said, it is what you is. Amen. Don't you think about this for just a minute. Jesus became one of us by mixing himself, his deity, with just plain old dirt. He became one of us that we might become one of him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? If he'd have never done that, we'd have never been born again. We'd have never been saved. But Jesus was willing to become like us, one of us, tempted in all ways like us, but yet without sin. He who was rich became poor, that we who were poor could become rich. Well, I thank God for what he did for that man, but I thank God for what he did for me. 
And then we find that he told him not only uh, to, after he voluntarily mixed himself in this clay, he told the man there's, there's a divine operation and without it you can't be born again. But there's a human application. In verse number 11, the Bible said, He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Well, there's, there's divine operations got to take place. You'll never come to God till you come to Jesus Christ. Christ is the channel. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to God but, but Jesus Christ. And he, he is the divine operation. He was in heaven. He came as the only begotten Son of God, lived and, and died for us, and then was buried and raised again. If you didn't get that out of the singing, you won't get it out of anything. And then he returned back to heaven, sent the Holy Ghost to be a comfort to us. And thank God for what Jesus has done on our behalf. Amen. But there was one other thing that had to happen for us to be saved. And that's the human application side of it. The Bible said he said that Jesus said to me, go. Well, in order to be saved, you're going to have to do what Jesus says you've got to do. You can't be saved any other way. The Bible says the Philippian jailer came out and asked the, the Paul and them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You're going to have to do what Jesus says do. You're going to have to repent of your sins and trust Christ and his way to get to heaven. And he's the only way in order for you to be saved. There's got to be an activation of faith that God gives an individual and when God says do it, you better do it. And so he told him, there's a human application and there's also a divine operation for a man to receive sight. But thirdly, I want to mention this, and this is really what I want to get to, uh, the man's light. We've seen his night, we've seen his sight, but I want to talk a minute for about a few minutes about the blind man's light. The Bible said in chapter 9, verse number 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He had light in his life for the first time. Can you imagine never being able to see, never seen a sun rise, never seen a sun set, never seen a, 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 a baby? I mean, a baby is one of the most beautiful things God ever made was a baby. Uh, youngins, I love youngins. And if some of y'all got the feeling like this little girl on the end over here was, ain't no telling what might have happened. 
children have a tendency to believe, trust, and obey. Children have a tendency to do that. And that's exactly what we ought to do. There's no doubt in my mind, in my heart, that this man heard Jesus when he said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world, and wondered what did he mean by this. Well, he's done found out. He found out exactly what he meant. He could bring light to his life. He could see his mom and dad where he'd never seen them before. He could see things in life that he'd never seen before. So here we go. There's three things I want to mention to you. First of all, in this light that he received from God, he had the light of positive certainty. Now don't get too hung up on this verse until I finish. But verse number 25 again, he said, he said, if he be a sinner, no, I know not. One thing, one thing, that's singular. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Now most of you as God's people know more than one thing. But all this man knowed was one thing, that he was blind, but now he can see. But there was a time when all of us could not confess of anything else except what this man confessed. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Once I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know. It's not what you, be, you think. It's not what you're figuring. It's what you know that matters. And he said, this one thing I know. He had been given the light of positive certainty. He could not argue theologically. He could not argue philosophy to some philosopher. But he couldn't. Matter of fact, he couldn't argue about anything except this one thing. He testified to the fact that he was blind, but now he can see. When I got saved, I I didn't know anything. I'm sure some of you knew everything. But I didn't know anything. When I got saved on a Tuesday night, we were in church on Wednesday night. And all the old ladies come by, and, and uh, the men shook my hand, but all them old ladies, they'd, they'd crying and slobbering, and uh, they, they'd hug you and slobber all over you and, and call you brother. And I asked Gail, I said, what's all that about? What, what do they mean by all that? I didn't know. I didn't know I'd become their brother. But I found out real quick. But I didn't know anything. I didn't know there was a certain language that you used in church. I didn't know that you started out with a real quiet, amen. (laughs) Singular. But then I, I, I found out later you could say more than that. You could say, amen, praise the Lord. 
And then I found out later you could say even more than that. You could say, Amen, praise the Lord, glory to God. Then I found out you could say, Amen, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God, Amen. I mean, you could just keep on saying it. And people seemed to enjoy it. But I didn't know that when I got saved. They let me sing in the choir of all things, back row, second person. And I, I, I'd been hearing everybody talk about the rapture. I didn't know what the rapture was. Sounded like some kind of movie to me. But one morning, my pastor was preaching on the rapture, and it just hit me of what it was. And I was so excited, I just jumped up on the back seat and said, How about that? I didn't know, but I had a little light shed on the subject. And that's, that's what this man's saying. He said, I don't know anything else except God saved me. The Lord gave me sight when I was blind. That's all I know about him. He, 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 didn't, even, he, didn't, he didn't even know exactly who Jesus was. If you'll find it in here, I'll be glad to admit my wrong. But he really didn't know who he was. He said, he answered and said, a man, a man that is called Jesus. I noticed in one of these songs, y'all said that they, they called him a man. Well, here's, here's a man that's, been, that's gone from blindness to sight. And he said, I don't know anything about him except... His name was Jesus, and what he did is he made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, wash, and I went and washed and received my sight. Second Timothy chapter 1 says, I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Well, there was an old lady one time that was about to die and her children called their pastor and wanted him to come see her before she passed away. And uh, he got there and he told him, they told, told his mom that the preacher was there and, and she was saying something but no one could hear it. He got down close to her and she was saying, him. Him, him, him. She done forgot everything in life except him. I, I don't know who he was, but but he 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 was he was called Jesus, and he he anointed my eyes and told me to go wash, and I did, and I came seeing. That's all I know. He said. Well, the second thing he had was not only the light of positive certainty, but he had the light of constancy in him. Now, I want you to watch this. Verse 28, the Bible says that he said, Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. 
We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. They were do- These unbelieving bigots were doing everything they could to convince him that what happened to him didn't. How can you try to convince a man that has never seen that he ain't seeing when he is? How do you do that? I noticed not long after I got saved myself, the church spent more time, preachers spent more time trying to convince people they weren't saved who were saved rather than preaching to the lost so they could be saved. Isn't that sad? And yet, he had a light that was so sure that it was a light of constancy. It didn't bother him one bit. Church people throwed him out. The religious hierarchy wouldn't have anything to do with him. But they were not going to convince him who was once blind that he couldn't see. And Then in verse number 34, the Bible says that he said, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out, throwed him out of church because they couldn't convince him that he wasn't able to see when of all people who ought to know that he was able to see was him who was blind. I've heard people say all kinds of things. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll see if he got it. Well, it ain't left up to you no how. And it ain't left up to me. I've seen a lot of them that went back. They didn't mean it. It wasn't real. But I'm not going to stand there and try and convince them the Lord didn't save them. But that's what this religious crowd was trying to do. But no matter how hard they pressed him, how hard they tried to get him to say that this man did not heal him and give him sight, he was constant in everything that he believed in and what he knew had happened to him. And God's people ought to be certain about some things. But certainly they ought to be certain about their salvation. That God took them out of darkness and put them in light. What they couldn't see in the past, they now could see. I heard Hanley Milby say one time, the Lord shines when clouds overhead are dark. I'm glad the Lord shines when everybody's against us. And they're trying to press darkness upon us. But he wasn't going to be fooled. He had the light of constancy and the light of certainty. But now I want you to pay close attention to this. When you go back to verse 25, he answered, said, whether he be a sinner, no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Now, in the vernacular in which this was written, and it was spoken as well, 
by this man. This is how it would read. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. This old boy was beginning to learn some things. Light was being given to him. Amen? Now I see. My papa that raised me, he, he couldn't read, he couldn't write, but he was a halfway decent carpenter. I don't know how he read a ruler. I don't know how he did all those things. But he'd done a fair job as a carpenter. And when things was a little bit confusing to him, and he finally understood it, this was a familiar phrase of his. Now I see. He is seeing some things he hadn't seen before. Let, let, me, let me just share this with you. Verse 11. He calls him a man. That's all he knew. And, I, and listen, I don't know the time line of all of this in chapter number 9. How much time was involved. But at a given time in his life, in verse number 17, he said, They say unto the blind man, Again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. Well, earlier all he was was a man. But something's changed. Now he's saying he's a prophet. Well, then when you come to verse number 33, the Bible says that if this man were not of God, He's in the right direction anyway, ain't he? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Well, first thing he answered was he's a man. And then he said he's a prophet. And now he's saying he's of God. He come from God. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a long way from where he was at when he first got his sight, wasn't it? But watch verse 38. And he said, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Well, he started out a man. Then he turned into a prophet for him. Then he was telling them that he was, he was a man of God. He'd come from God. But oh, it's a world of difference when you say, Lord, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. I don't know how he worshiped him. Don't make no difference. He might have played a fiddle and danced. Doesn't matter to me. All I know is he called him Lord and he worshiped him. And he'd come a long way from the very beginning of getting his sight when he said, all I know is a man. By the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I know y'all all understood him better, better than I did when I first got saved. As, as our dear brother sung so wonderfully, if you could feel him like I have felt him. Huh? Well, I want to say if you could see him as I have saw him. 
It'd change your attitude about him and about life. You know what was going on in this man's life? And I'm thinking be done, preacher, and it'd be yours. God was taking one layer at a time off of his eyes. I had a good friend who had eye surgery back when there was no laser surgery. They cut literally with a scalpel on your eyes. And uh, this friend of mine was always up, never down, and enjoyed life and enjoyed the Lord. But I went in to see this friend of mine after the surgery. Boy, she was so down. And I said, uh, what's, what's happened that's gotten you so down? You're so excited about being able to get this surgery and be able to see better. And she said, well, the doctor told me that he wasn't going to be able to just take the bandages off right now. He's going to take one layer at a time. He'd come in tomorrow and take a layer off. And then next week he'll take another layer off. And he'll repeat that over and over until he's got all the bandages off. I said, why did he tell you he was going to do that? She said, because he said, I couldn't take the, all of the light at one time. Now, if you don't believe that's not true, in the morning, you ladies set your clocks to wake up about 30 minutes before your husband. And in darkness in the bedroom, you take a lamp and hold it over his face. And then nudge him real good and wake him up. And by the time he opens his eyes, flip that lamp on. <laughs> Some of us get so discouraged. I have myself. So down. We don't know what he's doing. We can't figure it all out. But I have learned that when he wants us to know, he'll take another layer. Off our eyes. You say, preacher, that's, that sounds like some kind of progressive salvation. Oh, no. I ain't talking about taking layers off so you can be saved. I'm talking about taking layers off so you can see things. He said, oh, now I see. Took me a long time to understand what God was doing. And if we could just grasp this concept of what this chapter teaches, we would be less prone to get discouraged and down. Because when time comes, he's going to take another layer off and another layer off and another layer off till finally we can see all the way home. Huh? I visited a dear lady in the mill village, East Newnan. She was dying of cancer. She said to me, the last time I saw her, she said, 
Preacher, I thought, I really thought I had a handle of this thing of dying and going to heaven. She said, but this cancer has made me see that I didn't have. But she said, this morning, God let me see exactly what was happening to me and where I was going. Now, don't y'all get real excited about that. It just means you ain't going to hell. And one day, God's going to open your eyes to the truth and the transparency of heaven. Let me encourage you, don't be so hard on those who first get saved. I don't care if they've got tattoos from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. When God saves them, don't don't try to push your knowledge off on them. I, I don't care if they got earrings in their ears. When God gets ready, he'll take a layer off and they'll pull them earrings off. I don't care if they've got long hair. I don't care if the women are wearing a pair of pants. Amen. Just go ahead and let God do the peeling of the layers. Let God do the work. And I've discovered over at Brother Richards that God saves old rednecks and he saves old sinners at the same time. Don't be so down on them because somebody doesn't understand what you understand and what God's allowed you to see. Don't you get so blowed up at them. Huh? I preached in a little church up the highway from us. And when I come out, the preacher said, I can tell you're a premillennialist. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, what is that? And he told me, and I said, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what I believe. Because I believe what the Bible teaches. But don't fall out with those that can't see what you see. In the right time, God will peel off a layer. Huh? <laughs> Hey, does anybody here understand what I'm saying? Be patient. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another for Christ's sake. You know, I've learned that independent Baptists that come in the church toting the largest King James Bible you can find. It's got pointed cowboy boots, pointed enough you can kill cockroaches in the corner. <laughs> can be kind one to another. Amen?
Well, y'all showed evidence of being kind to one another already. I'm asking you just to be patient. Be patient with God and be patient with those that God's just saved. And others who've not gotten as far down the road as you have. It revolutionized our churches. Reckon what would happen to this church and every church representative if everybody was kind one to another, forgiving one another, even forgiving because they don't know what you know. It's Christ, for, for God's sake, has forgiven us. Let's stand. Preacher, I'm done.